0: Snap production. the s and the stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday morning mailbag edition. With me, the Motley Fool's chief investment officer Scott Phillips, and him, the managing director and founder, chief cook and bottle washer of a. Um
0: thing it's um it's called strawman dot com I the more the more I react the more i fuel I add to the fire I feel.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But for the record what is strawman dot com again? We're a we're a private online investment club. Yes, yes you are. Mate are you well? I'm pretty well yeah good can't complain. I if I did no one would listen so you know are you kids that we 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 read for a quid on this program. Everyone people listen regardless of us complaining. That's what we do. If we do get <laughs> the complaining bits it'd be a very short podcast to That's which many point. people probably say about bloody time too But we're not yeah. going to do that We are going to complain Like we always do Because If you're stuck with us this long God knows why But you're probably enjoying it and Getting some value out of it So we're going to assume that's true And we are not going to change a thing At least not not for now Mate um, This is uh, I'm going to start with an interesting one Which is a massive tangent uh, From what we normally talk about But again Well that's what we do we're on, Exactly We're on, we're on trend we This is one from Lewis or Louis, Who says Hello Scott and Ram And you know what I love about this I love this because this is starting with a rant. Because he starts with, regardless of your answers, <laughs> which I love. When someone starts, with it, it's like, with all due respect, it's like, okay, this is just a statement. This is not a question. Regardless of your answers, says Louis or Lewis, I'm hoping this question will at least prompt some deeper thought by parents across the land before making a decision on financing schooling. According to CanStar, he says, to put your kid through 30 years of independent schooling costs between 215 k which is Perth, and $460,000 if you're in Sydney. I put it to you, he says. Again, statement as question. Instead, investing the cash into a long-term portfolio for the kid to take over at X age and sending them to the average public school would, in the long term, outweigh the likely financial benefits of attending the average independent school. No specific question, just what are your thoughts? And thanks again for everything you do for your listenership, P.S. Uh, Lewis says, P.S., here's the CanStar. So it's the CanStar article. Um, I'm sure you can just Google CanStar and School Costs Australia, and you'll get it. The headline of the article is, Australia's most expensive capital cities for schooling. So uh, it was. It, it did say, what are your thoughts at the end? He, he managed to sneak a question in, so it wasn't just a pure rant, which I can appreciate. I'm going to suggest you've probably got a thought. I've probably got a
0: thought, and then uh, we might move on. What do you reckon? Uh, It's, you know, it's, it's, I've definitely, if I got a thought, (laughs) I always get in trouble because, you know, it's a finance investing kind of podcast, and it's, it's sort of, it's hard to, to not veer into yeah. politics, yeah. Um, personal philosophy at points, and yep. but whenever we do, you tend, <laughs> that's that's when you tend to get the emails, yeah, and exactly. all you do is divide half of your audience yep. because we are a we are a polarized society. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm yeah. going to trust
1: that our listenership is smarter than the average bear, mate. I'm going to suggest that our listenership are engaged people who actually care about some of these conversations because they are citizens of the country, citizens of the world, who know that. There's more than just three-letter ticket codes on an ASX. And if mm. Lewis wants to ask the question, and it's a finance question, that it's worth the conversation. Four hundred sixty grand in Sydney, mate, if you uh, put that aside over the 13 years and then let that compound, there's got to be an easy million bucks there at least by the time the kid's, what, 25?
0: Yeah. Uh, the implicit assumption in, in the question, intended or not, is that there is the, the public schooling system is woeful and inadequate and it's just like a huge compromise you take by sending your kids there hmm. as if, as if we all uh, have can a choice. I, can
1: I, I I think we should probably not put exactly those words in Lewis's mouth. He might just be saying whatever people assume is true may not be true. So let's not assume Lewis
0: thinks that- I'm not going to know. So not for Lewis's know. sake, okay. but that's but that's kind because a I would say I would. I would, so. I would it, it's the it's the usual framing because if that wasn't yeah. true, well, then the answer is, well, right. of course. Like right, if, right, if, right. Both, if both standards were the same- Mm. what <laughs> if I could buy a Toyota Corolla for 10 grand or 100 grand mm. I'll pay 10 grand because it's the same thing mm. so so that's why I'm saying it's Im- not intended um perhaps but but certainly implied yeah. Yeah. that that that, mm. that that's the case and it, it kind of it kind of it kind of really triggers me, to be honest. And I think it's true, actually. I mean, I think undeniably you get better resourcing at private schools and it kind of sickens me. And, and the fact that the person who runs the Department of Education doesn't send her own children to public schools is something that really gets under my skin. <laughs> and the fact that we have to raise money for our children's schools so they can put soap in the toilets while, you know, a block away there's a polo court just triggers me even more. <laughs> so as I said, man, this is this is why I don't want to get into the politics and yet, of it all. And yet
1: you have waded in with <laughs> both feet and you're now knee deep keep going and now keep I'm the, so let's
0: okay in for a, penny, in for, <laughs> in for a We're here now. roll, roll the sleeves up I think the other thing you'll find with people <laughs> is when you ask their opinion on this the yep. it, not always you know I, this is a generalisation mm-hmm. but whatever system you went through is the better system mm-hmm. so I am a product of the public school system so obviously I think public school system explains is great. a lot Andrew no, do you I'm know sure. what I mean and, yeah, and exactly. if Tell you me, went yeah. to the private school yeah, was, it's better and it's just, or conversely is, if
1: you had a great, a terrible experience in either then you're going to say well obviously yes. the other one's better right so it's yep, kind of yep. it's one of those yeah if you, if you had a good experience whatever we liked we think is is obviously good and whatever we dislike yeah. we obviously need to do the opposite because that's what should happen yeah
0: so it's so it's kind of it's kind of um i'm just so hyper aware yeah. of, yeah, of yeah, my yeah. own bias there yeah. but but i would say this i would say i mean let's take it more and more abstract way yeah, and let's just say for the sake of the argument that the, the, the you know, assuming that you have the means to afford these ridiculous, insane fees, and send <laughs> send your child to one of these places, yeah. and you say that well, the education and the resourcing is better. Mm-hmm. The, the really, really great question here is: yeah, but is it enough better right. <laughs> to 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 compensate for that? If you just put those fees aside and let yes. them compound, I, yes. I would say no. I mean that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow! You really need to end, it, 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 it leave that system. Mm-hmm. In in a way where you have just got such an order of magnitude higher earnings capacity to sort of to sort of make up for the fees that that you put in, and yep. Yep. I would also argue too, because humans are humans and we're not mm-hmm. always rational. Yeah, is that for a lot of people it's not even an educational choice; it's a status choice, and the same reason that we buy Bentleys and all the other kinds of things, because that's mm-hmm. we are we are we're all. Monkeys with their bums in the air. We we, we signal to our, each other, and it's an important signalling me- mechanism in our in our social hierarchy. Don't
1: explain what happened at Finfest when you had your pants down. That's was all I'm saying? But, that, but that, that's you know, if you weren't there, we you do. wouldn't understand.
0: We all do it. We're we we're all huge in in signalling, and I, I would say just uh, almost metaphorically. others literally go. On. That's true. I, I've, I've I've had I've had the opportunity to mm. walk in various circles, mm. and when you are in the presence of great wealth, mm. you don't know it. And when you're in the presence of uh, the appearance of wealth, you're usually not. That's that's what I would say as well. So you know, if you really want, if you're out there to try and impress other people, you waste. I mean, (laughs) have a think about yourself. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know. I know where I'm going with that. So oh, much for not. Man. So much for not weighing in. <laughs> yeah, right. Both feet, neck deep, mate.
1: <laughs> don't send me an email. I You do. You do whatever you feel is right for your
0: children. I don't care. Right. So, funnily enough, my own.
1: young bloke goes to an independent school, as you know, and mm-hmm. so we are. We are. All, and, and I am also a public. Uh, a, 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 was it a product of, of an independent school? Um, both, both reasonably. Not 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 bloody four hundred and sixty grand. Trust me. Um, but uh, but you're absolutely right, mate. It's absolutely that story. And you know what? It is entirely, totally. Um, It's it's kind of, you know, we talk about behavioral investing and behavioral finance. This is absolutely that, right? Because every parent in every different part of life thinks... Well, what should I do and what's best for my kid? And what if I don't do that? And will I regret it? And, and it's like, it's bad enough when you do it for yourself. When you do it for your kids, it's like, what do they need here? And, and what, what mm. it's, it's everything, you know, should I let the kid go and play in the street? Well, maybe so I get picked up by some horrible person and I wish I'd had, an I guess I won't do that. And helicopter parenting as a thing, I mean, kind of the, I think sometimes the private school stuff is an extension of that, which is just, you know, our parents went, yeah, go, go and play in the street, come back I that. It's like, where's my child? I haven't seen him for 10 minutes. Where is he? Is he down the back? Mm. What's he doing? What's he, mm-hmm. Who's he? What's going on? Am I sure he's okay? And I, I, I don't know, mate, it's weird, right? So we send our kid to an independent school because we went to two different schools and the area went, That one seems better and it's gonna cost a lot of money. We had the conversation about money, but well, mm. can we kind of you know, if this one seems better, can we not do it? Like how would we feel about it if we didn't do it, all that
0: kind of stuff? And it's all those. Well if you're gonna those- pro if you're gonna prioritize anything. Like prioritizing the the um, your children right. is a good right. thing to prioritize. So it always always comes from an incredibly right. good place. I, I'd be the first I, to admit.
1: Yeah, and, and then and then you kind of like the, and the, the, I I will actually agree with you, Amber, though. That the money, I, I don't think it actually makes any logical sense, right? But it's just that idea of like, what if we don't send him to that school and he has a bad experience at the school? We end up sending him to, and we could have done this instead, and mm. it's all that crap that just goes through your head, right? And and once you know it's possible, it's like so. My wife and I have um, life insurance and. Uh, this, this Trust me, this is going back to the point. Life insurance and uh, income protection insurance. And we've also got this critical illness insurance, right? Which is stupidly expensive. It's a lump sum payout if you get a defined disease. And it's one of these like, now we've got the insurance. It's cost a lot of money. We're saying, well, do we just get rid of it? Because it's a high premium and it's not worth it. And if I get diagnosed with cancer next week, God forbid, after I've dropped the insurance, I'll be like, oh my God, okay. So now I've got it. Mm. Would I take it out now? No. But once I've got it, do I want to take it away? Well, i don't know it feels like and it's all this ridiculous just rubbish you know um the, the human beings that we're not very smart and we're really emotional and all the behavioral biases that you know, i've said many many times i'm no less afflicted by them hopefully i control them better than most because i've done this for a very long time but it's it's all that stuff right like it's all mm. that it part is. of the story so anyway long story short um i would have no issue with you know my um was going to a public school be fine we did send him a private school because we kind of went well i guess we probably should because we can and we can afford to so maybe we should do it uh, would we have been better off investing the money giving the money probably yeah honestly um it's it's you know the talk about regret minimization once you start to consider it once you once you and the other thing is once you see that if i'd never seen the other school that is now at now would i just end a public school about happy probably yeah uh, once you know it, it's like, well, now if it's a bad experience and I'm going to wish I hadn't, that's all, that's all rubbish.
0: Anyway. Can I tell you a little, little thing? We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll move on. We have to. Perfect. But the, yeah. the, the system in the world that has the highest, um, mm-hmm. I think certainly it's in the top five um, uh, educational uh, results is Norway. Again, again, the Scandinavian sort of countries, they just get it right, don't they? Mm-hmm. But yep. they banned private schools. And, no, right, okay. and and the rationale was not it, it gets very people very quickly go, Oh, well, you know, it's it's a it <laughs> gets into a economic ideological kind of standpoint. Mm-hmm. But it's actually based it's actually based on sociology and as you say, sort of those behavioral biases. Like when, totally. when all the rich and powerful have no choice but to send them to to a public school yeah, system. Yeah. Guess what? The public school That's system better. is <laughs> very well resourced. <laughs> yes. Very well resourced. Oh and, and no, after, have to
1: say, go on, sorry, go. On.
0: Well, I just, I just think, I think that that it's, it's not about saying government can do it better. I don't want to have that mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, in most yeah. things, government can't do it better. <laughs> but, but uh, that, that, that is the when, when the people who have the most means, the most resources, um, the mm-hmm. most power, mm-hmm. can opt out of a system, yeah, and that's that. <laughs> guess what? That system's going to flounder. It's just, yeah. it's just obvious that that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm.
1: I am one hundred percent with you on funding. By the way, I think that's a different. I mean, they're, they're related by definition for the reasons you just exactly yeah. said. But I am I am a million percent with you on funding. The funding across the schools, as I said, my young said, "a it's it's a very good school. We like it a lot. Um, it's nowhere near. It's a you know we're we live in regional New South Wales, um, so yeah, it's a it's a decent whack fee wise, but it's not you know the sort of king school, knock school, that kind of stuff. And the you know the funding and the and the resources there is an obvious. Mismatch there, and other than self interest, I don't think anyone reasonably would say that's the right funding model. No one wants less for their kid, no one wants less for themselves. So everyone argues for their own piece of you know, it's like, well, that's right.
0: Why would you why would so? So that your local member says, actually, we're gonna I'm gonna stand on a platform of more money for public schools. You go, well, I'm not in the public school, it doesn't bother me you know what I mean it's just, and it's not it's not being selfish or anything it's just being human and it's just like you will vote on the things that matter to you yep. and when you have the opportunity to opt out same with private healthcare same with a lot of other things it's just sort of like well if it doesn't bother me I don't yeah. uh, that, that that guy's not or girl is not singing from my <laughs> yeah, exactly. sing, uh, hymn sheet exactly so I, that's right yeah you know Different story. Let's move on though. Uh, I think it's a, you know it's a, it's a useful
1: conversation because it talks about behavioural finance. It talks about some of the alternative options of opportunity cost. to Andrew's favourite words. Uh,
0: what we should have go- done. What we should have yeah. done very quickly is actually done the maths on that. And I, but yeah. um, we didn't. But I can tell you if what was it? Four hundred grand over six uh, apparently years. Apparently, the maximum
1: like- was four hundred and sixty in Sydney over thirteen years, and two hundred and fifteen in Perth, the lowest number.
0: I mean that, that that literally is you 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 could give your I mean, just off the top of my head, that is like several several million dollars by the time they're they're thirty. I know. think
1: uh, probably about the time the thirty. Yeah, probably um, yeah, probably about the time of the thirty. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean if you started at zero at five by eighteen, that's the four sixty. You probably compounded the first couple of bits and pieces by twenty five. It's probably a million bucks. I think that's probably a fair bet. Yeah, it's a lot of money, maybe a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's go to a question from Isabella, who says, "Hi, Scott and Ram, love the pod." Thanks so much for all your insight. Your weekly check-ins are a helpful reminder to stay calm and on course during the saturation of doom and gloom news. I'm also a subscriber and enjoying the service. Thanks, Isabella. You recently had a question from a listener regarding them feeling like holding a broad-based ETF didn't feel diversified, despite it being a very diversified holding as they just have one stock. Equally, Scott, says Isabella, you have stated that Sol Pats is a good alternative to capture the Aussie market rather than the Vanguard 300 Index given how heavily that is weighted towards miners and banks. I have indeed. For my children, says Isabella, I have set up a trading account for them with me as their custodian and want to use this to teach them about investing as they get older. They're all preschoolers now. Each year we add some funds for their birthdays. That's cool. Uh, Side note, thanks for all your info on those various structures. I recently pulled out of their investment bonds, despite the tax benefits, and decided direct investment was better. I did the custodian model as I have three kids and I wanted each to feel like they have ownership of their own portfolio as they age rather than being a pool of funds which they will split when adults. Based on years of general advice you've given listeners, I appreciate the general advice, thanks Isabella, I decided to go with 70% S&P 500 for exposure to the world given a lot of your companies on the S&P are global and 30% SOLPATS as exposure to the Australian market. Scott, I believe you said you have Solpats for your family rather than the AS, the Vanguard ASX 300 fund too, given the above reasons. I'm now just guessing myself a little as I realise 30% of their portfolios are in one company, which I use as an alternative or a proxy for the Aussie Index, but perhaps this is quite risky because they are in fact a single company and although they are diversified, the risk is they are a single entity. We'd be keen to get your thoughts on this. Thanks so much for all you guys do. Cheers, Isabella. Uh, I own Solpats shares. I don't own that particular S&P 500 uh, ETF. Um, uh, what else? That's all I have to disclose, I think. Um, Ram, what do you reckon? Is there, is there too much risk in using Solpats as a proxy for an Australian ETF given it, it's a single entity, single management structure, all that kind
0: of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's all on a spectrum. So is it risky? no um, is it riskier than a broad-based index kind of yes because it just doesn't have as many that are in there and I'm, I'm purely speaking yeah. risk probably more from yes. the academic yes. standpoint yes what you get with Solpats that you don't get with an ETF is you get the uh, Milners mm. um, and that's probably something of value as well um, long long track record I think it's mm. I think they hold the record for the most <laughs> unbroken string of Dividend increases on the ASX, so yeah. I mean, I don't own them only because for me, I I just it's not because I don't like them. Yeah, I just just, (laughs) you know, this is the hard thing. This opportunity, I often say that you know, for me, fifteen is probably the absolute max that I want to want to hold really with any kind of serious weighting. And Mm -hmm. and I, as we said on Friday's episode, I I really like the small cap kind of space. So. Uh, that's that's the only reason, but yeah, I'm just looking at their presentation now. Um, wow, really, really good diversification. They've even got, yeah. they've even, you even get a little bit of the um, startup stuff in there. Yeah, as well. it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a really you interesting know? business. So, so you kind of get everything. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no complaints. I, I yeah. can't, I can't fault that.
1: Uh, Isabella, my thoughts are a couple fold. So, I just to be really clear, just to be honest, I don't have sole pats for my young bloke as part of his kind of portfolio we're building for him. I went with Vanguard Small Ordinaries ETF instead. And also, a, I think it's a US ETF. I can't remember. You know, Again, people are speaking of this just off the top of my head. I actually can't try and log in while I'm talking see so if I can tell you what it is. Um, so I didn't use Solpats, but I have said to people, if you want a large cap exposure, that'd be one way to do it. Uh, I'm not entirely even sure that I've done the right thing for him. Um, I, I may have been smarter or better to have gone with uh, Solpats instead. Uh, I do have Solpats myself. I do have recommended in the past that people could absolutely use Solpats instead. So just to really clear that, to be really, really 100% clear, just so I don't miss... Um, inform you or, or, or confuse you or, or let um, a misapprehension go unchecked. So uh, I own SOPAT shares. I don't own the Vanguard Australian uh, ETF for, for largely that reason, also because I own individual Australian shares. So I don't feel the need to in the same way. Um, so there's that. Um, I, so yes, to Andrew's point, a single company is always going to have additional risks that an ETF doesn't have by definition. So yes, it is further up the risk curve than the ETF is by definition. Uh, the CEO could do the wrong thing. Uh, there could be fraud involved at a company level. All those things are true. I'm not trying to worry you, Isabella. I have SOLPATs and Brickworks together, I think represent the largest exposure I have got added together because it kind of cross shareholdings. I think it's larger than any other position I have with the exception of probably Berkshire Hathaway. Um, so to give you a sense of how confident I am, I'm very confident with that combination of businesses. I like those guys. I like those businesses. Um, I think I think they're a very good investment, but they're absolutely not risk-free. I also have said, um, ETFs aside, Berkshire and Solpats are the only two companies I put in the bottom drawer and not touch for a guaranteed amount of time. If I had to go to space for 20 years, I'd put all my money in those two. And if I, again, ETFs probably separately um happily because the diversification the management the long-term approach the um succession planning all that stuff i just i just think it's a it's a very good investment uh vehicle so i like it a lot so all of that said i just want to put that basically black and white so you hear it from me um is is riskier by definition than an etf it just has to be there is no getting around that if that worries you then there's an answer uh, am I worried about it at all? No, absolutely not. If someone told me that's what they own, I'd be like, cool, no worries at all. I have no, I have no reason to worry about that. I want you to know what risks you're taking. So I don't want, I don't want to suggest that there's never any reason to you know, think anything more about it. Uh, that's not true. Uh, you need to understand the risks, but I, I think is a great investment to have. And I think it's likely to outperform the ASX on a continued basis from here. So realistically, I'm very, very comfortable with that as an investment
0: personally. Just realised like? that. No, I, I'm just well, you I was just happily scrolling through their <laughs> recent presentations and um, they so they've got this what they call their strategic portfolio, mm-hmm. some of the big stuff, um, the TPGs, the Brickworks, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Et et New Hope is in there, but their emerging companies one is very interesting as well. A couple of um, companies that that stood out in site Sightminder. We've spoken to the CEO mm-hmm. at Strawman, Bailador. We've spoken to those yep, guys as yep. well. Um, and just it just reminds me that they we we're speaking off air beforehand that like mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat and um, yeah. you know yeah. the the guys at at, at um, have got a great great track record and a very different portfolio to mine and yet within all of it there's a there's there's some companies Absolutely in there right. that very yeah. strongly resonate yeah. with me yeah. Uh, yeah. Balador can I just give a very very quick shout out to these guys this is a fascinating business course it's it's, it's it's a, it's a, it's a growth um, fund essentially a listed investment company uh, NZ sort of based um, they the net tangible asset on a post-tax basis is a dollar 50 so if they took all the assets by the way 50 percent of their assets is cash cash you sold it you get a dollar 50 for every share uh, you can now buy that on the market for a dollar29. Not investment advice. <laughs> Very small, illiquid, rah, 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 rah. But it just, isn't that interesting? And we, we spoke on Friday why, why there are some reasons as to why small caps can offer some opportunities. And anyway, a bit, bit of confirmation bias, noticing that we guys in <laughs> Solpats hold it as well.
1: I will say, so about Balador and also about Solpats, I want to make one one point, again, to be a bit contrary, mate, just to hopefully inform our audience, educate hopefully a little yep. bit too. Yep. Buying buy $1.29 for dollar fifty is a no-brainer. Sorry, buying $1.50 for $1.29, isn't it, Brandon? Right? <laughs> Let me get that order right. Yep. So if you said, here's, here's, a $20, here's a $1.50 of assets, how much you want to pay for it, so how about you buy it for thirty? Well, of course you take it, right? You, mm-hmm. why, why, you, know, if, you if you find a dollar and someone says, if you give me $80, I'll give you this dollar. Yes, okay, how, how many more dollars can I buy at that price? Um, mm-hmm. Makes a whole lot of sense. There is one really, really big caveat, and the same is true of Solpats as for Bailador, so that's why I thought it was worth mentioning yeah. this juncture, yep. is you have to believe those
0: assets are correctly priced.
1: if you had a let's just make it there's two parts
0: to that but yeah finish the thought because it's a good one
1: let's assume you had a a fund and the fund was the Enron share fund and you could have bought $100 shares in Enron for $80 each you have going, oh my good, twenty percent discount the net tangible assets, man. Of course I would. That's a, that's a steal. That's going to be a great idea. It turns out the stealing was being done by the company. The whole thing was a fraud, and it was worth zero. So when we say the net tangible assets, you've got to be really careful the way these things are calculated. No one's doing it incorrectly. Solpass does exactly the same thing, by the way, as does Bailador. I like Bailador too. We've had them speak for us as well. Um, you know, great business. So I'm not. This is not about Bailador, but it is about saying anytime you say to somebody you know, they don't say here's 80 cents. They say here's assets valued at this price, dollar fifty. sorry, uh, because the share price is currently this. Now, again, let's imagine we, we talked on Friday about some tech shares that have fallen massively over the past 12 months. If you'd have bought a, a buy now, pay later, you know, listed investment company for 80 cents on the dollar, you're still probably down 50% now. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you'd have bought, you know, t- a, a tech portfolio, Again, you'd be down by the same amount. Now, they could still be cheap and they could go back up. They can go both ways. This could, these shares could be worth $2 under, fundamentally, but they're, they're priced at $1.50 and mm. again, for $1.29. Mm. So I'm not suggesting only, it only goes one way. All I'm saying is when you add those things up, the particularly if it's a larger piece of your investment puzzle, so for me, for example, for Salt Pat's, big, big part of my portfolio, when they say our is worth this, uh, you know shares in New Hope, Coal are worth that, our shares in TBG are worth this, I'm going to actually look not just at whether those numbers are being correctly reported, but if I think TPG is grossly overvalued on the market, then there is no, there is no free lunch there. Because when those TPG shares fall, if they do, then it's going to be the, the, the collapsing share price, not the value I get, which makes the difference. Now, if they say TPG shares are you know, part of our portfolio, I think, man, TPG is so cheap, and I get Solpats a discount to that as well. That's a double benefit. So we used to recommend TPG way back in the old days, and we recommended Solpats. And it was great because we'd say, well, hang on, we think TPG is cheap and Solpatch is cheap compared to the value of the TPG shares. We're getting two lots of discounts, which was even better. But you really should either have done the work or be prepared to have the market change its mind about the value or, or the price of the shares that make up the NTA. Is that fair? Uh, it's 100% yeah. fair. Um, yeah. I have no view on that or by the way on that base. I just want to sort of people, just whenever any any company says, here's the NTA, here's our price... Um, you really owe it to yourself to make sure the nta
0: is is made up of things that you think are fairly priced assets uh, it, it was It was top of the pops in terms of the questions we asked, like how do you value these things nice. Nice. and there's anyway we, we do not make it about this, but there, there's no, um, fine. there 's confidence that's in that The, the other thing I was going to say is as well is that it is theoretical because there is no there is no um, reality in the multiverse. <laughs> where, they, where they just liquidate yes, everything and yeah, give you correct. The cash. That's also true. Yes, yes. You know, because, and that because
1: cash can be used really well or really badly too, by the way. The actual cash itself could be torched on some terrible investment or it could be invested a, at a 10 to 1 return and you make a squill.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and it's not that – I don't say that cynically that they'll mm-hmm. never do that. Well, they shouldn't do that. I mean, the whole raison d'etre is mm-hmm. to let us invest in in small growth companies for you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so you go, okay, exactly. that, that's the value prop. And that's then they the turn point. around yeah, and give yeah. you the cash back. Yeah, like, well, yeah. Yeah. what? No, that's that's not yeah. what I signed up for. So there's that. The other thing is that everything we've been talking about mm. was mm. true uh, six weeks ago. Yeah. And six yeah. weeks ago, yeah. shares yeah. were $1. sixty. Exactly. And that's right. That's right. shares have fallen 20% between the 1st mm. of September and as we record this on the 20th of October. Mm. And the, the natural question is, oh my God, what happened? And the answer is, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, and that kind of, again, also highlights my point that we were speaking about on Fridays, like mm-hmm. God love volatility. Isn't that just a wonderful thing? <laughs> and, and then people said, hey, God, gosh, we're all idiots. You know, it's just sort of like, um, at $1.60, dollar was is like, oh gosh, I wish it would go down. and yeah, buy some more, and funny. then it goes down, and you go, oh, oh my god, I lost ooh, some money. Yeah. Oh god, what's, what's wrong? I just, I just, I just wait for things to clarify. Maybe they know something. It, that's right. And then it'll exactly. be a dollar sixty. Go, oh, I
1: wish I bought more, or wish yeah. I, you know, I buy now. It's already gone back up. Exactly. We're yeah, all, yeah. we're all idiots. We,
0: we are, idiots. and that's
1: so. That's that's a lovely, lovely summary. Mate, uh, let's keep moving. Other than, I just want to be really clear again with Isabella, because she asked the question. Uh, the two ETFs I have on a regular, I, I use Perla, By the way, free plug for them because they're great guys um, and girls, I assume, but I've only met the guys. Um, uh, We auto-invest in two ETFs to my young bloke, uh, VSO, which is the Vanguard Small Ordinaries uh, and as a proxy for the Australian, not proxy for the Australian market, as as an Australian dollar investment, and VTS, which is the Vanguard Total US Market ETF. So they're they're the two ETFs that we use. Um, I like Vanguard a lot for reasons I've talked about before. I like those two ETFs. I'm not entirely sure I shouldn't use SOPATs instead of the Vanguard small orders. I may even change that allocation, frankly, having this conversation. Um, I, I like the small orders for reasons we've talked about, but also... I, so this is the thing. Like the, the, the small orders actually underperformed the all orders, despite the Friday's conversation about small caps. Why? Because there's a whole lot of rubbish in there too. And so when you buy the small companies, you get all the small stuff. You don't get just the best of the small stuff. I don't know what that'll do. I'm not totally worried about the, the relative performance in the short term, but... I may, I may actually make a change. I'll see. Let me, let me, let me ponder that. I will let everybody know in due course. Uh, do you have any more thoughts on that, mate? Before I keep going, you were smiling. No, no, no let's move on. Oh, let's move on. Okay, let's okay, move okay on. cool. Uh, let's go to a question from. Uh, I think it's, I hope it's Miller M I L A Miller. Mila. I will say my Miller, but Miller, I think. Miller says, "Hi there." Question for the podcast machine. See you, Andrew. The cool kids it's know it's the podcast machine it's catching on. One, one day, one day, I'm going to get a hat made up, a t-shirt made up. Oh, speaking of Finfest, um, uh, Bryce, one of the one of the co-founders, was walking around with a hat, and the hat had market cap on it that was a really clever idea Brilliant. very very cool I wish I thought it was like oh that sucks that's such a good cap <laughs> anyway occasional listener says Mila and first time questioner my husband listens religiously therefore I have the privilege of listening on our Sunday family day trips <laughs> <laughs> now Mila didn't put didn't put privilege in inverted commas but the way she says my husband listens religious, therefore I have the privilege of listening I think she's really saying she has no choice <laughs> Mila I apologise uh, but hopefully we've made it at least slightly amusing for you after probably too much deliberation We decided to invest our children's birthday, Christmas, and pocket money in the NASDAQ ETF through the ComSec Pocket app. We've been contributing after each birthday and Christmas, usually a few hundred bucks at a time, for the last few years, and plan to continue this until they turn 21. Our kids are three and one at the moment. Lucky kids, Mila. Nice work. Mm. My questions are, one, thoughts on the future of the NASDAQ over the next 20 years. Did I make the right decision for my children's future? Or, are, or as we are all in the red, should I panic and sell? Uh, this is parent guilt coming through right now. And two, with the ETF shares in my name, what happens when I plan on transferring them? How would the transfer work? Is it easier to sell down and hand them the money? I'd rather give them the shares to give them the investing bug as early as possible. How hard is the tax man going to come after me? Cheers and fool slash straw on from Miller. <laughs> Uh I'll go first, mate, just for fun. Uh Nasdaq over the next twenty years, I think is a very, very, very good investment. I own units in the Nasdaq ETF. Uh I think that the companies on the Nasdaq are going to be the businesses that are, at least in a large cap land, inventing the future. Um if you think about where economic growth, um innovation is going to come from, uh it's probably gonna come from those internet. Focused businesses. We've said before, every every business is a tech business these days. But the ones, the Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, Nvidia, Tesla, Netflix. You know, I
0: think I think those are the ones that are going to be creating. Can I make a more value, controversial yes. interjection? Yes. Yes. I think when you look at the Nasdaq in the next twenty years, there will be companies in that that you would we've not heard of yet.
1: Yes, and that was my next point, was even if it's not those five or six in particular, it'll be the ones that move up the charts because they do these things, that the NASDAQ will actually pick up. So you get both, right? If the big guys keep getting bigger, you'll win. If the small guys become bigger on the NASDAQ, then you'll also win. So I think that, that's why I think you're exactly right, Ram. There's, there's those two things. So I, now it'll be volatile because it's tech. It'll be volatile because it's in US dollars. So bear that in mind. Um, but I think the Nasdaq is a good option. If you want to be more diversified, there's no harm in doing that either, by the way. I'm not saying this is going to be the best index. I think it probably will be, actually, is my bet. But I don't just own that one, as you've already heard. But I do own that one, because I expect they'll do really, really well. Uh, If they don't do as well, they'll do very well anyway. Um, I feel very good about owning the nasdaq etf but you could do a u.s total market etf or something else if you wanted to be more diversified if you changed your mind or it worried you you felt too concentrated you can absolutely do different things if you choose to um are we we're in the red should i panic and tell no you should not uh, in my opinion i can't see what you personally should do what i can say is that Shares are volatile. Shares move around uh, over time. I expect lots and lots and lots of value gets created. I expect lots of that value goes into share prices. I expect those share prices to push up the index. I think the Nasdaq will do really well. As I said, uh, the ETF in your name. When you transfer that ETF to your kids, that will that I oh know we're not tax accountants, but that will uh, trigger a capital gain on your portfolio. The taxman will assume, let's say it's worth uh, pick a number, ten thousand dollars at that point. The tax man will say, you have disposed of $10,000 worth of shares that you bought for, let's say, $5,000. Even though you didn't literally sell the shares, you dispose of them by giving them away. At that point, you have a capital t- gains tax bill to pay of the gain that you made. So you will have to find the cash. If you sell the shares, or the ETF in this case, uh, then you will still have a tax bill to pay. Either way, when you transfer it, you have a tax bill to pay. Uh, you, th- What you could, there's a things you could do. Uh, one thing you can do is sell the shares, pay the bill, and then buy the same ETF in the kids' names directly when they turn 18 or 21 uh, with the money that's left over. And that would simply do the transfer for you. If you want to put some money aside to pay the tax bill and transfer the shares without selling, you can do that too. Uh, but, yes, the tax man will come after you, and he should, unfortunately, because that's the way that the, the tax works for any transfer of shares. If Andrew gave me some shares, he had a tax bill to pay. Um, I hope he does, but he may not. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so yeah, yeah, that's, that's, just, <laughs> that's just what happens. Uh, there is no getting around it. You could keep the shares in your own name in perpetuity, and then when the kids want to sell these shares, they could give you the money to cover the tax. Uh, and then you could give them the proceeds. There's, there's a whole lot of ways you can do it. Um, but yes, at the point in time at which you transfer the ownership from your name to their name, there will be tax to pay, whichever way you do it. Ram, what have I got wrong? What have I forgotten?
0: What do you want to add on those two questions? Uh, I, no, I wouldn't add. I've I've got shares in the NASDAQ NDQ EZF, mm-hmm. my super. Um, I just love it. It's just easy exposure. Um, but it's an interesting point you make. Like mm-hmm. Why why should that be one of the better performing indices? Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And I think it... it um, it really comes down to some of the structures that they have in place over in the U.S. You know, they are a very entrepreneurial society. It is a huge magnet for yep. international talent. Yeah, um, that's true. you know, they they, they, um, they there is a reason, there are historical, structural, social reasons as to mm-hmm. why the biggest tech companies in the world um, belong in the yeah. U.S. Not all of them, yeah. but but most of them do. Yeah, and it's just, they just they just they have things structured that way, and um, mm. America is a basket case in so many different ways. <laughs> really, <laughs> you really, know? really. Like sometimes you just, particularly when you've mm. got that outside perspective, you just sort of think, "What the hell?" <laughs> you know. I learned the other day that The Rock is is tipped as being one of the the preferred um, presidential candidates in no in future elections. Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been <sighs> urged. I mean. Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually one of the better governors, yeah. governors of California, so he I mean was. I don't want to yeah, pre-judge. He no, he yeah. I don't want to yep. prejudge prejudge Dwayne just because he is an actor, but I mean it is it's just so bizarre <laughs> sure, when and then you look at the the, <laughs> the inequality you look I mean there's just so many things wrong with it, yeah. but yeah. the thing that the Americans really do get right is is that they 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 get um, mm. they get the entrepreneurial thing right. It's a very forgiving environment for entrepreneurs and bankruptcy laws and the rest yeah. of it. There's a, there's, um, yeah, it's for a whole bunch of reasons. So I, I think you, you can never, you can never be sure. It could be Bulgaria that is the head of the tech world in, in 20 <laughs> yeah, years time. Yeah. Who knows? You know, the future is very hard to predict. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a pretty good bet that, 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 that there is such an, there is such a base of, mm. um, intelligence of, um, yeah. uh, entrepreneurial spirit of. And that's just on this podcast. <laughs> and there's, there's certain <laughs> network effects as well. Like you go to places like San Francisco yeah. as well, they just there's such hubs of, of creativity and uh, it's just a melting pot of of ingenuity and I, I I think you'd I think you'd be foolish to bet against it. Motley Fool Money. For more subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate,
1: um I yeah, I can't I can't add much more to that. Uh it, <laughs> a very good a very good question from Sam. Uh and Sam says, Hi Scott and Andrew, I've been a grateful listener to the podcast for about a year now. One of the most important things I've learned from you is the importance of future growth prospects of a company. Excellent. If this isn't the most important consideration when investing, it surely must be right up there. I think that's true. I think I would Ooh. say you want to have a solid quality business in the first place and then growth potential because potential alone blue sky alone is not enough um you need to have a base of something both in terms of the sales and earnings sales and earnings but also the the balance sheet and the management stuff so it's probably i think i think it's it's probably the most important indicator of future value creation once you have a solid base it's probably Mm -hmm. what i would say sam but ram i have a different view Mm -hmm. my question is how do you do this in a considered consistent and somewhat objective way Hmm. I would ideally like to work out three to five standard measures I could use when evaluating and comparing different companies. How do you look through the hype and management speak and avoid personal biases about the future or their product or service and assess the relevance of past growth to future growth potential? Thanks very much from Sam. Luckily, I went first on the
0: last question, mate, because you get to go first on this one. (laughs) It's such a great question. Actually, when when we were at FinFest last weekend, um, a a lot of a lot of people came up and asked me that what are the things all that right. I should look for and and it's a natural question smart people yeah and we all go through that journey but yep. the trouble is is that we all want a handful of metrics or things mm. that we can point to and measure and be objective in mm, mm. and i've just as i've gotten older i've just come to the conclusion that you just it's impossible it's 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 not hard. It's impossible. There are no metric or any metric that's out there is either based on historical data, which which may not be relevant to the future. Might might be, yeah. but not perfectly yeah. relevant. And if there's anything, if it's forward looking, it's of course some human has put a forecast out there. In which case, that's imperfect. Um, and then yeah. I've also realised that over time, it's actually more and more. I think it's the subjective qualities of things that that just can't be measured at all. That are the really important things that we were just talking before about entrepreneurial spirit, you know, management, honesty, work ethic, culture, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's, 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 it's just really hard. This is, this is what, I mean, economists are always accused of having physics envy (laughs) (laughs) because they look at the physicists who can, you know, measure everything and put it into these great, beautiful, elegant formulas that explain the universe Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. to great accuracy you just can't do that because ultimately, um, economics and finance is a study of human behaviour, yep. <laughs> which is diabolically difficult. Yeah, to, yeah. yep. you know, so there's no there's no easy answer. How, how do you do it? I think the the frustrating answer is <laughs> you become a voracious consumer of of of. of um, of history, of literature, of of just wanting to understand how the world works, how business works. And it's this holistic sort of, you you build things up and you you form this holistic Mm. view and you do it for, in our case, mate, decades. (laughs) <laughs> and you're yes. still woefully ill prepared for the yep. for the insanity of the world, and and I'm sure in twenty another twenty years time I'll, I'll still like be lucky if I can get even close to to the the objective truth of things. Mm. Um, so it's it's very hard, and it's 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 probabilistic in nature. In even if you were to build up a scenario, a, a checklist of various things, and that was actually my suggestion to a number of people, is build a checklist up. Not that you'll be able to fit it into a pre- spreadsheet, but it just give you things to look at. Look at the balance sheet. Look at management. Look at the growth potential. Look at the competitors. You know, you, you, you'll flesh it out. You, you'll have something 200 checkpoints in there um, uh, if you want. But but try and try and think through all of these things, layer it up, and get to this view that overall mm. it makes sense, understanding that you're going to make heaps of mistakes along the way. It's perfectly normal. Mm. Um, it, it actually doesn't stop you from getting great returns. Again, as we spoke to on Friday, you know, three or four out of ten can be perfectly adequate to knock it out of the park mm-hmm. if you get some of those ones right. So, yeah. Um, it's a, really, it's a really frustrating answer, it, it, it really is. But this, this is, I listened, I mentioned to you before, I listened to a podcast recently with Stanley Druckermiller, who's one of the greatest of all time investors. And he made a point really well, he said he fell in love with it. And mm. it was, people tend to assume that it's always about the money. And I think it's always a pretty crass and exactly the wrong reason to get into investing, frankly. Yeah. Um, the, the reason that he and people like Buffett and other great investors do well is because they would do it no matter how much money they've got, and they're all insanely yeah, rich. Right. They're insanely rich people. Yeah. <laughs> they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it because they're yeah. just incredibly curious people. They have this urge to understand how the world works mm. as best they can. And it is there we go. <laughs> there's a there's a chunk. Obviously, there is. But but I, that's why I love it. You know, it's yeah. just sort of yeah. like because if you if your view on the world, and we're all we're all trying to sort of imagine what the mm. future looks like, mm. and we're trying to make very educated, sensible bets in our imperfect way. But if you get close to that, mm. it can be extraordinarily rewarding. Yes, financially, but but yeah. also just emotionally, and you know. It, so you, you've got, I feel, I feel as though you've got to be that kind of person that's built that way. And mm. if you are built that way, you don't need any prompting from me or anyone else because you will just be the kind of person that that reads and learns and absorbs and just always asks why, always questions the established narratives you know um, be afraid to not be afraid to say that the emperor has no clothes which a lot of emperors naked emperors walking around right now on the ASX let me tell you um, and, and you just you've just got to go on that journey stay, stay humble keep learning so
1: that's all true except Sam did ask for three to five standard measures to look for can you, can you
0: throw a couple of bones his way I, I think I think for me it's like I, it's really big picture stupid stuff Mm. like what's the value prop here yeah. I mean wh- what are you actually selling and, and mm. why is it that you're that people want what you're selling whether that's a service or a product mm. um, who else is selling that service or product and why, why wouldn't I just go to them maybe someone else can do it cheaper or better like, I'm, I, mean, I haven't even opened a financial statement at this point but I need to understand okay. it there's plenty of companies I come across it's like I got no idea what you do well, I kind of, I can, I can say the words, but I've no experience <laughs> yeah, in that industry. You know, I, yeah, I've never, yeah, yeah. I've got no, I've got no unique insight, I've got no yeah. edge. And if I don't have an edge, well, I'm, I'm competing against people who do have an edge and that's not the game mm-hmm. I want to play. Yeah. So I, I, ask, I ask those really dumb questions. Um, and then it's a question of, well, okay, so you've got something is, here's this, what's the strategy? How, how are you going to to grow mm. those, that pile of earnings mm. that you do? And in fact, if you're, if you're selling more and more and more, which is what we want to see, how do I know that that's going to translate into free unencumbered cash flow for shareholders? Mm. Uh, you know, that's, that's really important. Most, most companies don't manage to make that, particularly mm. the younger mm. one. That, that you have this big challenge. First, I've got to conceive of a product. Then I've got to build it. Then I've got to commercialize it. And
1: <laughs> yeah. I've got
0: to grow those sales. And then I've got to yeah. pivot to profitability and and then I've got to scale effectively. And a lot yeah. of companies – I tend to get very interested once the commercialization part has been proven. Yeah. So maybe pre-profit, but there's there's sales and they're growing strongly. But I can still be undone and have been undone quite often because they just never scale. <laughs> they just they grow and grow and grow. And we talked before about zip. Was it on Friday? You know, growing it, revenues like crazy, but it never translates. Yeah. So how how are they how are they going to do that? And what are the unit economics like? You know, if, if I'm if I'm making a like loss that. on every item I sell, like it's that. gonna be, that's going to be hard. Yep. So that's, I don't know if that's five or six, but there's just some really... Mm-hmm. Then I, I mean, in, in, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, look at the return on equity, look at the debt to equity, look at the price to earnings ratio. And I would have given you a bunch of financial metrics. And I think they're still worth looking at. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's, to me these days, they're far more secondary kind of considerations because they're, they're kind of without the context of the business. They're mm. kind of meaningless. Love that, mate.
1: Love that a lot. Um, I So a couple of thoughts from me. Um, g- generally speaking, past, you know, the, the online past performance is no guarantee. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. At a sales line, though, it tends to be reasonably indicative. Mm. So if you have a business that has an established history trajectory of growth, very, very good chance they're doing something right. And I think, you know, I, I spoke to somebody who's here at FinFest who said, well, look, do, do you do, you know, do you ask customers? Do you do your own channel research and stuff? And I kind of, I said, look, sometimes yes, but not very often. And here's why. I can ask one customer what they think of strawman.com. And they say, oh my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. I would pay 10 times as much for it. There's going to be a million customers by the end of the year. My like, oh my God, I need to load up on this thing no matter what the price. I spoke to someone else who says. I hate strawman.com. I I put a I put a thing up there. And I was wrong. And it's not for me, so I had. I'm never going to use it again. Mm. And I go, oh, that sounds terrible. Okay, well, uh, straw is not worth anything then. Mm. Now the reality is probably somewhere in between. Channel checks are great if you want to prove that something is actually happening. But if you're asking even, even customer reference checks, you know, I'm going to speak to three customers if they like the new word processing thing that that you know Scott Phillips has designed. Well, if they you, you like it's you know the chance you get a representative sample with asking three one person, three people, five people, ten people, still reasonably you know so and and to imagine my judgment would be better than the combined judgment of all of its customers when there's hundred, a 1, thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand customers out there using it, I, I find that I find the arrogance required to believe I can I can somehow get a better view than the market on that based on some selective questioning, probably well, the arrogance is is well and truly uh, over overdone. So honestly, I you know if a business has got customers who are using its product and there are more of them every year and the customers are happy and the retention is high, that's about as much as you probably need to know. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean they can't slow down or won't slow down, so you need to know how big the market is. If it's, again, to use the Woolworths example, wow, lots of people tell me they're shopping at Woolies. They have, do you know they've got 25 million customers? That's amazing. Imagine when they've got 50 million cu- Oh, hang on, there's not that many people in Australia. Okay, well, now I'm at the end of a growth runway. So you want what, growth runway is the second one for me. Um, Andrew's point about unit economics is, is really, really important. So what happens to the profit as that growth comes in? Because that tells you how much you can pay for those businesses. A software company that scales like buggery. A uh, new car business doesn't scale at all, right? And somewhere in between, well, it scales slightly, right? I guess you need one CEO and one car yard, but at some point you've got too many customers, you need a second car yard, a whole lot more costs. Steel mills, right? You can't, grow, you can't scale a steel mill, you've got to build a whole new one. Not necessarily bad investments, just know what the economics looks like. So mm. those things, and your point about commercialization around, I love businesses that are kind of lost to profit or just barely profitable. They have good union economics. Because mm. if you can do $100 in sales and make a dollar of profit, that looks terrible. If you can do $140 million in sales and do $20 million of profit, mm. well, hang on, I've just a 40% growth in, in sales, but a 20-fold increase in profit,
0: that's where some really seriously cool value creation. And that's why those so PEs look for stupid for those companies because Correct. at one point it goes, what, the market's valuing this thing at 100 Impossibly. PE? That's insane. <laughs> exactly. And then, then the PE, yeah, then the earnings grows 20-fold in one year. Correct. Correct. Yeah.
1: So, look, they're the things I look for. Um, I have in the past fallen victim to this myself, uh, which is – so what happens if growth slows at some point by 2029 what if it's not growing that fast then well between now and then I can actually reevaluate and sell if it's not going to do what it wants to do so the other thing is don't over don't, don't assume you have to have perfect foresight or develop perfect foresight before you buy these businesses um, and by the way some will be wrong just outright wrong and so you can have all those tick boxes ticked to just point about checklists and still end up with a bad idea and if it doesn't work out then sell it and buy something else um, which is not again you don't want, you don't want to make those mistakes deliberately it's not an excuse to buy just anything but mm-hmm. If you think hey this has got a bright future based on its past, based on unit economics, based on the growth runway, all that kind of stuff, hopefully it plays out. If it does play it, I'll make a fortune. Two years time, okay, growth slowed over the last two years. It was twenty percent a year, now it's two percent a year. Seems like it's either hit either competitive competition's got too tough or uh, it's hit whatever. Whatever those things are that happens, okay, fine. Then I'll sell the shares. That's a shame. Let's go and move to something else. So that's probably what I would do, Sam.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and if Any you do if you do find something where there's like really serious momentum let me be clear I'm not talking about share price momentum Um, I'm I'm talking about business momentum I haven't talked about share price so far at all (laughs) valuation matters
1: by the way we haven't talked about
0: but yes that's a whole other kettle of fish but yeah yeah, just from the business (laughs) standpoint you know don't don't be in a rush to get off that horse um Yes. Now, there might when I when you ask me what are my biggest investing regrets I've had stuff go to zero before I, mm. I lose zero sleep over that Do you know what I do lose sleep over that time that I sold out of company X Y and Z at forty cents making a fifty percent profit only to look at it now and it's at forty two dollars a share You know like, Yeah right Yeah that's <laughs> That is going to haunt you to your dying uh-huh. days, you know. I mean, you so
1: examples of that in the past: a certain uh, pizza company that I now own shares of again, but I, I sold too cheaply because I thought maybe, possibly, I might have maybe overpaid and maybe the shares weren't going to keep uh, growing. And, yeah, that was and it, these
0: idiot, and the idiot axioms hours. that get get touted out there like "you never go broke taking Take a profit,", the profit. and they like, shut up. <laughs> You know what? You never go <laughs> broke taking a profit, but you never really make any meaningful gains yeah. as well. If, you know, you just the, the the person who locks in a 20% profit is always going to feel yeah. very smart at that yeah. point in time. And 20% is very good. Maybe you did that in, in three weeks. I mean, that's incredible return over that period of time. Yeah. Trouble is, you've just got to keep pulling that, that rabbit out of the hat again and again and again and again. Whereas you just, again, we always talk about the example of- mm-hmm you know, someone who just b- bought Amazon and popped that in the bottom drawer yeah, twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah. Got a lot yeah. easier. And any any time selling was the wrong time. Maybe maybe a year ago we could say. But then I then I wonder in ten years time will we still think that? So it's just mm-hmm. like when there is when there is a business that is just Just getting it done. And each year, Mm -hmm. Buffett, one of the questions he he asks is, did the moat strengthen this year? Mm -hmm. And if the moat has continued to strengthen, even if earnings have gone backwards because of some cyclical factor or whatever, but Mm -hmm. if the business is a stronger, more robust more attractive enterprise t- today than it was a year ago. Mm. I mean, at a point, you'd be tempted to take some money off the table if the valuation is just stupid, stupid. Mm. Um, you know, fifty times sales, you might really, really think about it because no business is kind of that good. But, but, um, yeah, I, I just want to, I want to make that point as well because um, they'll that, that be mate, the mate. things that that really haunt you. Mate, uh, last one from Simon. Bears are asking
1: for for some important reasons. Uh, the first is the way he describes us. Second is he kind of touched on one of your favorite ranty topics, so we can cover that as well. And third, he asks some good questions. There's three questions. Here we go. Well, oh, actually, the fourth one. Uh, he, he finishes with, almost finishes, with one of your very favorite off off-repeated phrases. So let's, with that lead-in, let's go. Simon says, This Ram, or as I like to think of you, the Royan H.G. of investing. <laughs> Which I am now putting somewhere in our Twitter bio because that's just too good not to. Uh, yeah, love the pod. There's, there's worse <laughs>
0: comparisons for sure.
1: Yeah, right. Which one's Roy? Which one's HG? Oh, geez there you go, listeners. Roy. Let us know on let us know on the socials. Who is they're Roy? Who is HG? funnier
0: one is, is me, obviously. And uh, yeah, have you seen Roy
1: and HG? I love <laughs> them both. They're not they're not oil paintings. Just quietly, <laughs> bloody funny. All right. Love the pod. Says Simon. I've been listening for a couple of years now, and I am hooked. I sincerely, here's one for you. I sincerely enjoy and appreciate your sensible and pragmatic approach to the investing advice you both provide to us fellow retail, with a line through it, household (laughs) investors, he says. (laughs) Yes, I hate the term retail as well. There you go, mate. Add your many tangents and the occasional high horse rant and it makes an enjoyable, potent cocktail for the ears. Simon, you should be writing our marketing. I was chatting with (laughs) my old man over the weekend, he says, when he mentioned he had a lump sum of spare cash that he wanted to invest and asked me some advice as to where to put it he's in his early 60s but still working strong hypothetically I would tell you he'd be hoping to retire within the next 10 years and I'm hoping he'll be kicking around for another 30 or more three options come to my mind either one compound and create additional income via investing in quality dividend stocks two compound it through an ETF like the NASDAQ S&P 500 or US total market or three adding it to his super fund giving him an even bigger lump sum to compound via an ETF if allowed or a high growth investment option Am I on the right track? Is there another option? I'm relatively new to the investment game, so I'd love to hear your general thoughts, thank you, and ensure I'm not leading my old man down a path of ruin and despair. Hypothetically, what would you do? I'm 90% sure I know how you will start your answer with those famous words, "It." depend <laughs> Keep up the good work on the podcast machine. There's two for the podcast machine so far today, mate. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, Simon, mate. Great question. I love the love the question. I'm, that's going to we're going to frame that bit of a uh, bit of correspondence. I think the Roy and HG of investing. That's it's got a ring to it, doesn't it? I had to I had to throw this question <laughs> in. I to, we could have been going for an hour and a half already, mate. I would have thrown this question in just because I want to hear us referred to, even if I have to do it myself as the Roy and HG of investing. So look. 60-year-old bloke. Again, Simon, you're right. And uh, to Simon and to your dad, if he's listening, we absolutely, absolutely, absolutely can't tell you what you should do. Personally, we don't know. Um, But 60 years old-ish, early 60s, working for another 10 years or so, around for another 30 years, got a lump. What do you reckon, mate? Compounded credit, income via dividend stocks. Compound it through an ETF like NASDAQ, S&P or US total market or chuck it in super. Go with an ETF or a high growth investment option.
0: Mm. So the first thing I would say is never, ever, ever, ever (laughs) give uh, specific advice to family or friends. (laughs) That is, that is, that is, you know, if you want to maintain a decent relationship <laughs> with your dad, <laughs> don't do it. Um, so I would, I would, I would have a think through and just sort of present you know, the, you, you. <laughs> you want, you want someone to make their own decision and you yeah. want that to be as an informed decision. And you'll certainly have a view as to which one is the best. So you, you might sort of highlight some benefits, pros and cons mm-hmm. with certain mm-hmm. with ones that, you know, you, yeah. you like more, but, but and I really, I'm really just mm. serious about that. I just don't do it for family and friends. It's just, yep. it's just, it's not worth it. It really isn't. <laughs> um, so, so th- there is that. Um, I would say that uh, at, at the age of sixty, you, you, you just you'd have to invest within the superstructure, mm. right? Because you're going to. We've often said before that the only real downside with with super is that it's kind of locked up, and there is the risk of policy change and the yep. rest of it. Um, yep. But. You know, it's sixty. It's not that. What is it? Five years mm-hmm. until you can get it. So that seems like a much smaller risk, and you get all of the wonderful benefits that come with that. So definitely, whatever strategy you pursue, do it. In, I would do it in super personally. Yeah. Like- um. Uh. Yeah. So there's no wrong answers. I mean, it it depends. Um, <laughs> there we it, go. It it, it it one for you, Simon the traditional approach would be to say, focus on the income side of things mm. because you, you want to, you want to build an income for yourself in mm. retirement. Although if that is to your point, 10 years away, there's a hell of a lot of growth that could be achieved in that interim yeah. that yeah. then could be at the flick of a switch turned, turned into income stocks just by selling what you've got and putting it into um, income producing stocks. And there's, there's very favorable circumstances to be able to do that within the super environment. So yeah. Yeah. um uh, I, I don't know if that is necessarily the first way that that I, w- I would go. Mm, mm. Um, I think the great thing about the ETF sort of um, approach is it's just hands off, it's easy, you'll never shoot the lights out, but you'll never go bust. It's just middle of the road. And we know that middle of the road is actually very, very, very decent. So it's not like there's a big, big sacrifice you need to make there. Yeah. Um, and I've often said to, I think the stock select, there, there, there are better gains to be had by being a stock picker. I mean, undeniably, but there are also yeah. bigger losses and it just takes a lot of work. And for a lot of people just not interested to do that, which I 100% get, <laughs> um, you know, don't, yeah. you don't, if the only reason you're doing it is because you want the better returns, but you don't want the, to do the work. I mean, that's. That's just it's just a yeah. it's dangerous scenario. So yep, so, yep, yep. so that's why it depends. There's no shortcuts. It, yeah. Yeah. If you and your, if you and your dad just love talking stocks and investing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, then I, I feel that that's probably the way to go. Um, but if not, and and no harm, no foul. If that is the case, for most mm-hmm. people, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, then then yeah, just just go the go the, go the ETF. But yeah, I, I me and this is just me. Um, I, I would, I would go growth <laughs> cause I love, I love growth. <laughs> I, I go small cap Gross growth. Yep. I think like, yep. yep. I think you could do reasonably well with a little bit of effort over the next 10 years, starting mm-hmm. at a base right now where we are well off the, the top market could drop in half mm-hmm. from here. actually, I've said mm-hmm. to you on the pod before, I, I think it's going to be a, a more difficult, I think the market will be up in 10 years, but I think it'll be a more difficult 10 years than the 10 years, you know, from 2012, to 20, mm-hmm. 2011 to 2021, was abnormal <laughs> yeah. historically speaking and generally speaking after those abnormal periods you tend to sort of things yeah, yeah. tend to mean revert so I'm 100% invested I'm going to stay 100% invested but it's probably going to be a, a little bit tougher but I, I would be I would be looking to find some real diamonds in the rough and some babies that have been thrown out with the bathwater now and just building that up and yeah, yeah. at the age of 70 being very glad that I did that.
1: Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that, mate. With with an uh, addition just to think about timeframes. Um, so Simon, Andrew and I are both thinking about that 30-year time frame rather than the 10-year time frame. And it's worth thinking about, as you get anyone gets closer to retirement, what you need and when from your investments. Uh, if you're someone who needs to cash the whole thing out to pay off a mortgage or to repair the house or to do whatever, and it's going to be at 65th birthday, uh, then, you know, if you're... Uh, betting the market won't decline between now and your 65th birthday and you're relying on that, that's a tough thing to, to do. As we've seen before during the GFC, during the COVID crash, the market can lose a lot either really quickly or over a really long and drawn-out extended period of time where it just really sucks. And having to sell out in March 2020 or in, I don't know, when it was, August 2009, um, because that was the time you needed the money, just would have really, really sucked. Or getting close to retirement going i can't take the pain anymore i'm selling out at a big loss because i just don't want to lose any further between now and retirement would also suck mm. so it's the usual conversation we have with everybody and so i mean you know this because you've been listening for a while um whether your old man has or not whether he's a, you know, used to investing or not um it's it's the it's it's know yourself and know decisions you're going to make and when you're going to make them and what the circumstances are if he's gonna if he's going to uh, you know and and he knows himself and you probably know him if he's going to say, yeah, great idea, great idea, but then when it falls 15%, ah, oh, Simon, I never should listen to those bloody idiots on the podcast, even though they were the Roy and HG of investing, which of <laughs> course he will realize is true. Um, and I'll sell it all out at, you know, 85 cents on the dollar and I'll hate it and you'll hate it and you'll feel like you've let him down and he'll be annoyed and he'll have less money to start it with in three years' time. That would just be crappy for everybody, right? Uh, so it's not even a matter of what you should invest in it's even should you invest it and I, I know as an investing podcast it sounds silly for me to say but I would much much rather if there are people listening here who are going to sell out when the market falls please don't invest listen to the podcast love our jokes and our good looks and all that kind of great stuff um, but don't invest because if, if you're going to if you're going to buy at a dollar and sell it 85 cents repeatedly you just like, just please don't. Like, don't don't invest just don't okay? um, I'd love you too if you can do it properly. If you're not going to, you can't, that's okay. It's not a criticism. It's not a judgment. It's just a reality of who you are and who I am and, and please don't. But if you, if he's putting the money away and he doesn't need it at all at retirement, it's going to fund his retirement through his retirement for the next 30 plus years, then man, there's some great value there and yeah, I would I would go for the, the best return. And somewhere in between, if he's someone who says, I would like an income stream from it or I will feel better about market volatility if I'm getting some regular dividends, then again, you've answered your own question. So, a 20 year old, there's a really clear strategy, I think, for most people, which is just invest for the long term in the highest possible long term return, suck the volatility up and get on with it. That's a reasonably easy one. When you're 60 something, it's very much more about circumstances and behaviour and what's going to help you sleep at night and stay the course. That's the biggest question. What will best help you? Stay and invest as long as you can and maximize the outcome from that, which is not what's the most, what's the highest potential outcome, it's what's going to help you maximize your outcome. And that's what I'd be thinking about if it came to you, Dad how's that ram yeah nice all right roy or you hg whichever one you are it's been it's been <laughs> wonderful to spend some time with you um i'm looking forward by the way to listening to the scott and andrew of uh, of footballing commentary uh soon on the ron hg podcast I, i'm sure that's what they'll be they'll be getting letters from people saying you guys really are the scott and andrew of, of comedy that's that's great uh which i appreciate <laughs> so i'm happy to, i'm happy to swap that with them I, you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna look you're really leaning into this, on, aren't you? <laughs> if they're if they're trading on our popularity, mate, then you know what? Good luck, to them they, they, they try hard. They work really hard. They're up and coming comedians. Eventually, they'll make it. And if we can if we can lend them a bit of a, the shine of our halo, I'm okay with that. And you know that's 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 completely fine with me. So, uh, Roy and HG, we you're we welcome. We do what we can. We, we do what we can. In the meantime, mate, um, I can't. Even, I, I should know, Roy and HG better to have something to sign off with, but I can't. Uh, Rugby league is what comes uh, comes first to mind for those who listen to them in the Northern States. But in the meantime, full on.
0: Cheers.